You're listening to the Fourth Estate Podcast with your hosts, news gadfly Marty Duran and award-winning religion journalist Bob Smetana, as we highlight some interesting and or important stories from the last week while helping you think about the news. Thanks for joining. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Fourth Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Marty Duran. And I'm Bob Smetana. Bob Smetana. And Bob was just Furious over the fact that six out of ten Americans would not take a free trip to space. Is that what you're – or would not well, take a trip to space? Is that trip, what trip to space. A not trip a free trip. Space. Some of them are worried about the expense. But they would not be interested in travel to space. They would not if, be interested. If they said you could go up like Neil Armstrong or, or John Glenn and circle the planet, they'd be like, no, i got to sit here and watch the Kardashians or so something. So I'm, I'm assuming you would do it. I would in five seconds. In five seconds. Well, your wife's probably already volunteered you to go. Uh, so let me ask you this question. I asked this question at our life group one night. Uh, let's assume that there was moon base alpha, that there was inhabited um, development on the moon. Mm-hmm. And it had proven to be safe for a while. So there's not like, you know, it had survived whatever, the random asteroid or whatever, yeah. and hasn't, hadn't gone defunct. So let's assume that there's moon base alpha and that it's actually populated by non-scientists so people are living on the moon not just like research people but but there's a community or a colony on the moon Mm -hmm. Uh, the question that i asked our uh, life group at church was how much money would it take for you to go and live on the moon for a year assuming that you your family could not go with you so you alone from your family could would go to live on the moon how much money would would it cost how much money would would somebody have to pay you to do it that's a good question um if i can make as much money here as there i might go for a year (laughs) (laughs) one year salary man you're cheap (laughs) it's the moon it was yeah it was like in the millions of dollars for our people really if if it was the moon like it's the moon. Yeah. What do you? It's like I could pick up a moon rock. I'm a millionaire when I get back home. Not necessarily, because everybody would have one then. Now, see, I would go to. I would like, go to Antarctica. Like part of the Berlin Wall. You in, can't. I, do you know you can't go to Antarctica? No, I can't. Why you not? You can't. You have to. I mean, maybe as a journalist you could. Yeah. But uh, like, I've been to every inhabited continent. Yes. And well, technically, Antarctica is inhabited, but not in the normal yeah, way. Yeah. You've been. To, you've been to Australia. I've been to Australia. Yes, I've been to every inhabiting continent. So I wanted to. I wanted to take a mission trip to Antarctica. I mean, I mean, why not? Nobody's that. Well, there's a reason why nobody's done it because you can't. Only like research scientists. You and took their a support. mission trip to Australia. It was, yeah, it was more of a revival. Okay, so I revival. preached at a church for a, a week and did a Bible conference. I should have been a preacher. This was like twenty years ago. Revival. Dude. I could do revival. <laughs> Come. <to> the- <laughs> Okay, for for my Aussie friends who might be listening, Bob Smetana wants to come preach a revival at your church. So, uh, at, or journalist, you're a journalist, you're a journalist. At or? Bob Smetana on Twitter, let him know that you let want him know. to come, or he can come lead worship for you. He's got some hippie Jesus. I can music. Some ju- hippie, I can do hippie Jesus. I can do a he, a, a seminar. He on, could do uh, he could do Hillsong covers. Hillsong covers. I want to be doing some uh, Larry Norman covers. <laughs> we can be righteous rockers. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to look into Jesus. We're going to have the whole nine yards. All right. Well, okay. This is your a, opportunity. I can figure out how to preach a revival sermon. This is your opportunity. You could have Bob Smetana come for free if you'll just pay his way there. And, yeah, you and, buy me a plane ticket, I'm coming to Australia. Give him some eucalyptus leaves to eat while he's there. Come to Jesus. 
Down under. Down under. <laughs> Jesus is coming to down under. <laughs> well, coming today. I think Jesus is already there. Bob wants to go now. Uh, so uh, you've got some stories this week that you've called from yes. uh, from the media, one of which uh, was making the rounds yesterday. And I wasn't sure the time frame, but it looks like it was kind of recent about the woman whose obituary wasn't very kind to her. Yes. Because apparently she wasn't very kind in life. At least her kids didn't think so. Yes. I, I She just died. Um she died on May 31st. Okay. She this is, this is how the obituary ends. She passed away on May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and now will face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina J and they understand this world is a better place without. So the backstory Holy the God. backstory there is that she uh when they were small she had an affair with her brother-in-law. Yes. And then ended up, I guess, divorcing their dad and moving yes. to California with the brother-in-law. And it seems like they never reconciled. You, it seems like they it never reconciled? It seems like there was a little bit of animosity there at the end. My, my. That is just a terrible... She abandoned her... Ch- that, first, I want to know, like, in the news, in the... In the obituary, uh, the funeral home that did this. Yeah. Who accepted this thing? Usually, it's like this kind of unwritten rule: you aren't cruel to the dead. Unless, like, maybe she's a they murder. did they pay for it and submit she it to the paper for themselves it for herself. But man, I mean, I've seen a couple that were bad. I've seen some that were really cool. Uh, there was a guy who died last week, who um, he had like one movie role that that anybody knows anything about. And he was in a uh, a movie, I guess this was probably in the 60s or 70s, that was featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. So it was their, it's like the biggest cult classic movie on Mystery mm-hmm. Science Theater oh, 3000. Yes. And he played a character named Zap Rousdower. And Hand, uh, Hand of Fate, I think, is the, the name of that episode. Okay, yep. And uh, so anyway, he died. And he wasn't very, I mean, he's like mid-50s, maybe early 60s, something like that. Not very old. And uh, so he died, and my son, maybe it was through my daughter, one of my kids found his obituary. Uh, He died in Canada, was apparently from Canada, and it was just like the most heartfelt, loving, you know, and it didn't even mention the fact that all of his fame was from being on Mystery Science, being lampooned (laughs) on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, But it was just, it was gentle. He was, um, it talked about him being in the presence of the Lord now. And so I think some music stuff maybe he'd done in Ireland at some point. I mean, he was he traveled some, mm-hmm. but his career was a registered nurse. That's what he did as a as a career uh, until he died recently. So uh, when when that one when the ladies came up, yes. that was so harsh in the obituary. Uh, and then I, in my mind, I juxtaposed it against this one where this guy lives in some amount of uh, you know uh, cultural infamy because yes. of this role. Uh, yet in real life, nobody cared about that. Yes, yes. You know, nobody cared about Zap Rousdower. You know, this yeah. dude. I think is George Mitchell. Maybe was his mm-hmm. something Mitchell. I think uh, Bruce Mitchell. And uh, but he was loved. And I think about. I do think about the in the lady's case where there are other kids. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. Did, did she have, did she yes. stay married to the to their you know her second husband? Um, or is this like the final word in this woman's life is she's going to judgment and, buddy, we're glad about it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You, we don't know if there's like other – if the other family ran obituary. I probably should look. 
It's interesting. This is in Minnesota. So in Minnesota, four years ago, you remember uh, the, the and case those of folks can be mean up there. Aaron Joseph Permont. This is my other favorite obituary. This is from years ago, but you can still find it. Permont, Aaron Joseph, age 35, died peacefully at his home on November 25th after complications from a radioactive spider bite that led to years <laughs> of crime fighting and a long battle I, I with remember, a nefarious criminal named Cancer. who has plagued our society too long. Civilians will recognize him <laughs> best as Spider-Man and thank him for his many years of service protecting our city. Like, that's great. Yeah. Like, Mom, we hate you, and we want you to know how much we hate you. The other best obituary that I that I remember ever seeing was the guy who wrote the obituary for his Mr. Coffee machine. Do you remember that one? No, I've read that. Oh, you need to find that, Mr. Coffee. He'd had this coffee, this the original Mr. Coffee he'd had for like thirty years, and it had moved with him several times. I think it had caught on fire one time uh, in a dorm room or something. And so he, when the thing finally quit. He wrote an obituary for Mr. Coffee uh, and put it on, I guess it was on Facebook. This was, I saw it, I think, last year. Uh, that's the other best obituary that I yeah. can remember seeing recently, but anyway. Now, there's a great book called Find the Good by uh, a writer named Heather, what's her name? Heather Lendy, who is a obituary writer in a small town in Alaska, mm-hmm. in the, like at the edge of the ocean. Mm-hmm. No one, and she writes the most amazing obituary. She goes and talks with people. So who did she write them for? For the local newspaper. Oh, for the local paper. Lo- okay. Local paper. I mean, obituary writing, there's a whole gra- craft for it. Sure. Like, I almost would want to go and interview those people and say, like, tell me the story. Because people's lives are interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I once met the guy, if you if you ever, if you grew up out east, there's a, a cancer fund called the Jimmy Fund, mm-hmm. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. There, and the Dan, Dr. Dana-Farber used to call every boy Jimmy and every girl Jill, I think. But Jimmy, the original Jimmy who was on one of the shows, they thought he died. And years later... They found him. Surprise. No, he didn't die of cancer. He got I know better. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they found him. He was in New Sweden, Maine, and he was a truck driver, and he was at this little covenant church. Oh, okay. And when I worked for the yeah. Joe Covenant Church magazine, yeah. we found out after he died that he'd been Jimmy. And wow. he was great. Like, he lived in New Sweden, Maine, and late in his life, they found him, and the Globe had done yeah. a story, and he met Ted Williams. And wow. I, I didn't know that, but, like, we knew this famous, like, Jimmy from the Jimmy Fund. That's crazy. It's one of the biggest chance, cancer charities in the country. Lived in this little tiny church. Like, every church is filled with people like this? That's why. No, they're not. Not every yes, church. Every church every is church filled, filled with Jimmy. People. They're filled with interesting people. I got yeah, well, this guy okay. in my church in Chicago. He'd been a glider pilot during World War II. Mm-hmm. He'd been, like... You know, they, and he was a, kind of a little quiet. Well, he had to be the Pentagon. Man. Yeah, the quietest, handsome little man. And, oh, yeah, well, well during the war. Yeah, there's a lot of the guys like that. There's lots of people who've done crazy, interesting things, and you don't even know. But they haven't gone to the moon yet. No, they haven't gone well, to the moon. I guess but some this of them is were. This is sad. And it is interesting. John Glenn was in their church. So, so the reason I, I was interested in this, I'm interested in another story. I'm going to tell you about another story. It's a hit-and-run story about a guy named, what is his name, Douglas... Fairbanks Jr. No, no. Oh. Douglas Pank, Pankhurst. Pankhurst. Douglas Pankhurst. Okay. 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 So Douglas Pankhurst is fascinating, right? Um, well, I don't know. Tell me about no, it. No, this is a story. So, so here's the interesting. I'm, I'm interested in the question because we've had a lot of, for example, so let me give you a backstory. Okay. I covered Bill Hybels, the pastor at, yes. at Little Creek, 40-year pastor. In fact, the last podcast we did, I think we were talking about uh, Bill Hybels. Left because of, you know, abuse of power. Right. And, um. I got a friend who's a minister, um, the guy who married us. The guy who married we, my wife and I just celebrated our 30th anniversary this year. Minister who married us uh, lost his church for a moral failing. Mm. 
so so how do we balance the scales in someone's life? I'm not talking about like eternal God atonement right. kind of stuff. I'm right, talking sure. about how do people redeem their how, lives? Yeah. How do we know if a person's life is good? Does there's good outweigh their bad? Does the bad uh, eliminate all the good they did? So this guy named Douglas Pankhurst, 50 years ago, he's living in upstate New York. He gets drunk. He goes out driving his Buick special with his brother. There's a little girl crossing the street. They hit her. She's killed. Um, no one knows what happened. The police find out that he had an accident. He says he hit a pole. Um, but uh, then he goes off to Vietnam to fight, and the case is never solved. Okay. So they drop the case. They don't have any evidence, and um, he's gone. So it's go, it goes unsolved for years and years and years and years. Then a, a retired uh, investigator posts on Facebook or social media, mm-hmm. Do anyone know about this case? This little girl was killed, and it's really bugged me all these years. And somebody says, hey, this guy, Pankhurst, and his brother asked me to be their alibi. Wow. Like back in the day? Back in the day. Okay. So okay. you should go talk to him. They go talk to him. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't remember anything about that, and I don't remember anything about that. My crack's on the pole. Finally, um, they go and say, look, the statute of limitation is, is out, mm-hmm. um, you, but we want to know what happened. And he says, I, I did this. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I was drunk. I stopped drinking a few years ago. But I'm 99% sure that I killed this Wow. <laughs> he says he's sorry. But so so now he's in Maine. This is in in, in Sanford, Maine. They're watching, a, they're watching a Little League game. And a car is driving on the ball field. And this is just like two weeks this ago, is, right? This is a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Car's driving on the ball wheel. 30, 51-year-old Carol Shero is driving on the ball field. He gets – it's going towards him and a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. He gets the kids out of the way, tries to close the gate to stop this woman, gets hit. I saw the car pull over out of the gate right there, and this guy had some kids with him. A witness told New Center, Maine. The older guy pushed the kid right out of the way. He took the kid and the kids. He is killed. Wow. The woman drives off. He's been hit and run driver, mm-hmm. killed somebody. Now he's the victim of a now hit and run driver. Now he's victim 50 years later and, of, and saves a bunch of kids. Wow. Does that and – and the headline – I hate this – I don't know if I like this headline. The headline is, a car crashed into a Little League game. The brave man, in, mm-hmm. in uh, quotes, who died saving kids had a dark secret. He's brave. If you get in front of a car and you get killed, you're brave. That's a moment of bravery. He's not – is he a hero? Did the scales? I mean, this is a Stephen. It's in Maine. So this is a Stephen so you, King story. Yeah. Right? This is Stephen King. If it, just, got, yeah, but you got to have like 600 more pages for it to keep the Stephen King story. Oh, yeah. You could write this story. Like, did he have to pay a cosmic debt? Did the karma come? Did the universe require him to but what die? You, uh, yeah, I know. But but what you're really asking in, in in a way, is how do people view this? Yeah, how do people view this? How do, pe- God, how do people. people think about this guy in this story who uh, had killed someone with his automobile years ago when, while he was yeah. drunk, had escaped, had, had eluded justice. This was not a murder. It would have been yeah. a manslaughter or manslaughter, something like yeah. that. <laughs> so there was a statute of limitations issue, probably seven years or something like that. He'd already gone to war. Yeah. And lived his entire life apparently without any more trouble. Had yeah. you know, had beaten alcohol, uh, and then at, at the end of his life, well, what turned out to be the end of his life, uh, he saved some, he saved some kids who whose lives were in danger from a drunk yeah. driver. 
Um, and so how do people think about, yes. do people think that he is, uh, that that's a redemptive story? Do people think that he, whatever, paid his debt to society? How, how do people think about yeah, that? Here's what the sister said. Uh, the sister said, I feel like it has made a full, full circle. Now I am relieved. I truly am. The same thing that happened to my sister happened to him. It made a complete circle. Now it is time to move on. Well, that's that's like karma. That's it not is karma. Re- that's not a redemptive thing. That's, no, it's not that's redemptive like at the all. Circle of life. She's or like something. circle of life in it. But I'm like, yeah. Does is he? Um, is his? Well, it's clear. It seems to be clear that the dude lived with some amount of guilt all yes. those years. Um, you know, and obviously it's a tragedy anytime someone is killed and, and their death is unsolved. Yeah. Uh, or unprovable. Uh, it seems like somebody knew what had happened, but it was unprovable. Yeah. Um, and and justice is denied or delayed yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, but in the end, he didn't die. Uh, you know, walking down the street in a in a drunken stupor. No. And get hit by a concrete truck, and nobody knows what happened to him. That would be more of a it, it, people who think in terms of karma. That would be more yes, of a yeah. karma. Uh, this would be, to me, this is, uh, I would, if you could interview that guy right now, there's no way he does not say what, what I did went through my mind. Yes. Oh yeah. No, he he absolutely no, says that if you could interview him right yeah, now, yeah. he saw it, he saw in that incident, his own life and probably that was his attempt to redeem himself from all those years before. He must have been thinking, like, when this car's going to hit me, like, holy cow. There's no way he's not yeah. thinking that. Or he's saving the kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, I think that is a great story. I don't I don't know about the headline, but I, mean, I don't know how you get around the headline because that's where the, I, I don't know if irony is the right word, right but that's right. where the balance is in the story. Yeah. That he, he gave his life in an event where he had taken a life before. Yeah. And if you don't have the, the, the yeah, back story to it, it's still a great story, and it's still a heroic act, but I, but the the story isn't there if you don't have the back yeah, part of that, yeah, in this I, case. I don't even know, yeah, I don't know if the dark secret or what's the, it is a dark secret, it's terrible. It's just the story of, I, it made me think with all the things going on in the world right now, how much we let a single, uh, <clears throat> so there's a book called uh, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, mm-hmm. it's really good, about like, um, uh, people who do reputation, mm-hmm. um, uh, rehabilitation. There's a story of a woman who was worked with kids with disability and adults with disabilities, and they took goofy pictures everywhere they went. Okay, and she took a goofy picture by the Holocaust Museum, went on Twitter, like she had like or Facebook had a few followers. Right, it was for her friends. It was stupid, and like her life was ruined. She yeah. became public shame. Yeah, um, like the lady who was like Ebola I'm not, or whatever. I'm not going to get AIDS because I went to Africa. Yes, one? yes. The Some woman stupid on, people say she like, was on a flight or like, something. Like a stupid person yeah. that we don't know of said something stupid, and we all want to we. I mean, we could be outraged, but mm-hmm. the public outrage and public shaming goes on, and then how do you recover from that? Because mm-hmm. that moment doesn't is not who she is. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm just I'm curious about this guy. I'm trying to write something about it. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I. And if I'm, when my friend like the guy who lost his church, I'm like. Is he? Does it undo everything good he did right. in all these years? We, his dear friend, you know. I think that uh, I do wish, in general, mm-hmm. we have to hold people accountable. But you know, I, I do think that, like, if you say I'm sorry, I messed up, 
I don't want to make him like this guy. Certainly said he was sorry. Yeah, and certainly did something that showed he was a different person. Yeah, he did not run off and let save her, his own life. Yeah, and let, let her other kill kids. Bunch yeah, kids. Yeah, kill yeah. Bunch of kids. So, yeah. so I think. Um, anyway, it's complicated. It's Can a great be. story. It's like, but yeah. this is like, oh, I'm like Stephen King wrote this, right? <laughs> this like, and she's hit and run and. Um, now, if Stephen King had written it, the driver would have been a reanimated corpse after a lightning storm. No, King's got a, kind of a a moral core for his all of his stories. It's just kind of like he's a old, he was a Methodist Sunday school kid, and uh, that's still in there. His his kind of maybe, um, well, everybody but, writes from a moral slant <laughs> yeah, yeah. though of some kind. I mean, yeah. Lahane does, and yeah. Harlan Coben does. And yes, yeah. No, there's a there's a uh, anyway. I just think he would probably like that story. Well, maybe but, he would. But it, you could tweet uh, him and ask him. I didn't mention him on Twitter, but he did not respond. I don't know why he didn't respond. <laughs> I can't imagine. So what else you got? Well, so let's talk about um, Carson Wentz. Uh, who's that? Oh, that's the Eagles guy. The Eagles guy. Okay. Not the Eagles guy who got hurt, and the other guy was a quarterback. But So the Eagles didn't go to the White House. Okay. Nobody wants to go to the White House. It, I, I don't care. If you invite me to the White House, I would go. I don't, I'll go. I would go. I'm going to go. I got a chance to meet with Jimmy Carter one time, and I took it. I mean, I didn't. You know, well, Jimmy Carter actually, gave me the evil eye once. Actually, I don't I remember mad at me. if I was old enough to vote. I voted. My first voting time was in 84, and he was already. Yeah, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't out. say because I don't know. The, there's all kinds of dynamics. I was just, anybody, nobody's ever invited me to the White House, so I'm probably going to go. I'm going to invite you right now. If you invite me to the White House, I'm probably going to go. Bob, I want you to come to the White House. There are probably some presidents I would like to have met more than others. Anyway, well, Carson Wentz. That'd be true of anybody. That's true. So Wentz has got. Once in a while, you just come across a religious story that you really love. So Wentz uh, is building this big um, sports complex in Haiti. A friend of mine works at this nonprofit and said, hey, he just built this thing. Mm-hmm. They're in the headlines. But he's got a new food truck. The new food truck is called Thy Kingdom Crumb. Now, that is good. <laughs> Does it come with a rim shot? I mean, when the <laughs> When I don't the, know, when but the it truck should. pulls up, does it just come with a rim shot right there on the sidewalk? It should. What are they? Uh, is it a cake thing? No, it's a, it's a or? it's a it's a food truck that gives away food to people in need. They just drive around and give away food. Oh, okay. So like Meals on Wheels, except yeah, it's, like it's owned on by an yeah, NFL yeah, guy. NFL guy. Cool. Or it's it's his church is doing it, and they they're going to call it my Thy uh, Kingdom Crumb. It's interesting because like in in San Antonio, I think somewhere in Texas, there is a. There's been a big fight over charitable groups that do, you know, charitable. Not every city wants you to help the homeless. Yes. And so there, I think it's in. I do remember one guy got San, arrested for yeah. handing out sandwiches. Yeah. So San Antonio, I think, um, or somewhere in They Texas. warned him not to, and he said, forget that. I'm going to hand out sandwiches anyway. People are hungry. Yeah, and then he so, got arrested. He was like 90 or something. It was crazy. Let's see if I can tell you right now what's the name of this. Anyway, the Chow Train. The Chow Train. Phil's, um, Phil feeds people in the homeless in San Antonio. They got in trouble because the city was like, you can't do that. Wow. She's like, I'm, I'm, Jesus told me to, so off I go. So he's got a new one. I think that's a great name, Thy Kingdom Crumb. Thy Kingdom Crumb. I want to go write about a story. I'm like, they're going to have a food truck. It's got a little – it's great. You might get to interview him. I might. I'm going to have to figure out somebody – Send me. I don't know if Facts and Trends will send me. But I'm, I'll find somebody to send me to Philadelphia. Yeah. I'm going to go get if that If you guy. try to contact him, I'm going to tell him you're a Patriots fan and you hate the Eagles. I, You know, I here's my thing. Carson, I'm, if you're I, listening to this, and I know you are, I know you're a dedicated listener to uh, the Fourth State Podcast. Uh, Bob is a dedicated Patriots fan, and he talks trash about the Eagles behind your back. 
I did not talk trash about the Eagles. I didn't say you did right now, but you do. I've never talked trash about them. Bob. They're likable. They're Bob. a very likable team. I'm sad that they beat the Patriots, but <laughs> I can't be that sad because you can't not like the team. They're some good guys. It's the underdog. They they went see the way so I'm a big Who's the guy fan. that filled in the quarterback? Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Right? Yeah. So he's he's the Tom, the guy to beat Tom Brady is the guy he's Tom Brady. Backup quarterback out of nowhere mm-hmm. comes and leads it to the big big upset, mm-hmm. right? So nobody expected them to beat them. And he, he wasn't very good during the year and then boom he has the game mm-hmm. of his life and paid the same thing Brady did when he beat the Rams years ago. Yeah. So there's a kind of a full circle. If they Patriots never go back to Super Bowl, the the first Brady one and the last one is kind of a full circle. It's the opposite of this hit and run thing. Yeah. Right? He wins and then he loses again. Yeah. You know, and they so when the Patriots beat you, they just crush you. They make you – they crush you until the, you do something stupid, right? That's the way they win. They just keep doing their thing, and they're going to make fewer mistakes than you. Is that what it is? Like like that, when they went beat, they were – so there's this team from Atlanta. I don't know if you ever heard of them called the Falcons. <laughs> up 28-3. They just keep putting pressure on you. They don't give up even if they make mistakes. Oh, well, that's a different thing. They, they weren't putting any pressure on Atlanta in the first half. No, they but were they getting kept, the pressure put on. They didn't give up. That's a different thing. They didn't give thing. up, but they still come. They were pretty oh, relentless. The Falcons beat themselves. They changed their whole game plan. No, they didn't change their game plan. Dude. They kept throwing the ball. They just kept throwing the ball, and that's how they got ahead, and then they that's how they got behind. Oh, you're crazy. They lost. Now, they should have run the ball in that one spot, but <laughs> that's not what they do. They throw the ball. Anyway, they make they put you in a pressure situation, right? So, at okay. the end of the game, they're ahead, but still pressure as the Patriots are coming. You're right on the thing. All you got to do is run the ball a couple times, kick a field goal, you win a game. No, we're going to go for the win. Who are we talking about? Which game are we the, talking about? The Falcons. About? Oh, Falcons. Okay. It's 1-8-3. He goes, I'm going to go. Boom, he gets sacked. Ooh, I'm holding. Oh, I lost the game. <laughs> Same thing with the, with the Seahawks, right? End of the game. They're always going to play close. Why do you always go back to the games the Patriots won instead of focusing where your attention's supposed to be, which is the game that they lost? The game that they lost, though. To the good team, the, three the teams, good people. The three, the three teams that beat them, the Eagles, Giants twice, and the Eagles once, are the ones that looked them in the face and go, like, we are not. Is that what happened? They yeah. looked him in the face? They looked him in the face and like, we're not going to get. Well, one guy <laughs> threw the ball up and he, he got like lucky. It hit him in the head and it stuck to him. And that's how they won the game. You realize, of <clears> course, <throat> that we're not talking about the food truck anymore. Anyway, yeah. anyway I, like, I like I like, the, the because they. That is great. The, the Eagles were like, we're down the one year line. We could kick a field goal. But no. We're going to start gonna, a food truck. <laughs> we're going to send the quarterback out and he's going to throw it and catch it. You know, we're going to have a tight end pass to the quarterback. And we're not going to let – if we're going to lose, we're going to go down swinging. So they won. Okay, so I want to ask so you anyway, about a journalist that has uh, – yes. since you're not even talking about the food truck. <laughs> the food truck is awesome. It is, the food That's truck why is I awesome. like the Eagles. It's the food got, truck they of got, awesome. they got Moxie and they, got they help people. Yeah. Uh, Ronan Farrow. Oh, yeah. The journalist. Oh, yeah. Okay, so like, I don't know, four months ago, I'd never heard of this guy. Now, I'm, I know he's not brand new, and he's been riding along, yeah. writing along the way. Uh, I'd never heard of him, which is not to say anything mm-hmm. uh, significant. But uh, Harvey, the Harvey Weinstein Stein story broke. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Ronan Farrow, uh, if he wasn't the only author, he was the top line on the byline, yeah, or yeah, the first yeah, name yeah, on the byline. Yeah. Uh, major, I mean, all kinds of research. That was a. I think I read maybe they've been working on the thing for a year, maybe. It was a huge story, of course. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, like two or three times since then, there have been huge stories with his name attached. He's been on a couple of the morning talk shows. He's not that old a guy. I mean, maybe mid-30s or something like that. He's a younger guy. 
Um, and so then my wife reads to me yesterday. She's on Twitter or something, and uh, somebody was attacking his credentials or something. And so he he's like, okay, well, you know, I don't have much experience, but here it is. It was like he's not even old enough to have all the experience that he has. It's like <laughs> he came out of the womb doing foreign policy or something. Yes, yes. Um, so do you read him? Have you, have you read, read him before? Weinstein? I have not read him before. Okay. I mean, I know who he is cause his mom's me of arrow. Oh, see, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mom. Okay. <clears throat> so it helps. It helps if you're born on second base. Born at least. On second yeah. Base. yeah. But yeah. he did the work. Yeah. Like he didn't, he wasn't born on third. Well, yeah. It's not like his mom's a journalist or a media. No, but if that helped, I mean, if I send you a resume, I want to work for the New Yorker. Well, John Smith and and Ronan Farrow. I'm gonna go. Hey, <laughs> your mom and me, Farrow. I'm gonna meet you anyway. Right? Yeah, so you, might, you might have an inside track. But he didn't open the door. He didn't go on second base and look at how great I am. He sure. went and did the work. Sure. And and, and probably and if you're me and Farrow's son, that you know people look, but dude, who know Weinstein. That doesn't get you any foreign policy cred though. No, and he's no. got a lot of foreign policy no. cred too. I mean, agree with him or disagree with him. That's, yeah. that's a different conversation. But I mean, I've been like blown away. At the depth of writing this guy yeah. does. No, he's good. Uh, really, really solid stuff. So he's I also mean, on Twitter. If you're not following him, I'd recommend that. You know, and he grew up around um, Woody Allen, who's a great writer. So he grew up around great as an artist. And so yeah. he probably absorbed all the. Some of that stuff. Some anyway. of that stuff. And, uh, but no, he's really. Man, it is pretty. It is pretty crazy. I mean, it's some, it's some, it's some like, revelatory type writing. Yes, it's not no. it's not just He's reporting. very talented. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he obviously has got a gift but also did a lot of work. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. You can have a gift and not do a lot with it. He did got the gift and did a lot of yeah. work. But having a big name publication does not hurt. Does not hurt. Absolutely. Does not hurt. Does not hurt. Absolutely. There's another guy, and I'm going to butcher his name. It's Tom... And I think his last name starts with a J, and I'm just kind of... Tom Jelton at NPR? No, this is a guy who's written for Esquire. He wrote the Falling Man article. Oh, and yeah. And the Mr. Rogers article. J- Judlow? Okay, I, don't, I know the article. I don't know him. Okay. I don't know his work. Um, anyway, he's another one. So if you like good writing... Junot, right? Yes, that's it. Junot. J-U-N-O-D. Yeah. So two articles that he wrote. He wrote a this like the one on Mister Rogers is like twenty something years old. It's yeah. not anywhere near recent. That's just amazing, and the the very ending of that thing is like yeah. breathtakingly beautiful. But the Falling Man article, uh, I don't know whether it was turned into a documentary or whether he. I think the the article led to a documentary yeah. called The Falling Man that was on PBS, I think, or Nova maybe, and <clears throat> it was just. Um, just such a well-written, yeah. good human interest, but deeper than that because it starts with a photograph mm, rather yeah. than the story itself. So he yeah. sees the photograph, yeah. wants to write a story about the the, the photograph. So he interviews mm. the the photographer and some of the people, and so it, it leads on this long uh, long trail before they finally identify who yeah. who the falling yeah. man is, uh, and it is one of the iconic images yes. of that day. And if you haven't seen the documentary, it's on either Netflix or Amazon Prime right now. It's just called The Falling Man. Uh, it's a, it's about an hour long, and it is really, really good. The first publication of it was not in one of the major papers, I don't think. is one is like a local paper mm-hmm. not far from New York City. And they said they they got more complaints about running that, art, that picture oh, wow. than any picture they had ever run, I think, before or since, because it's so stark – 
that it really does jolt you when you mm-hmm. see that picture. And to, to get back, away from the picture, back to the article for a moment, uh, the the man was misidentified. Oh no! Uh, originally, so there was some effort by a writer from I think uh, Toronto, maybe the the Mail, the Daily mm-hmm. Mail. Is that a paper up there? Yeah. Uh, maybe from them. Toronto Star is one. Is there a Toronto Daily Mail? And then there's a Globe, right? Yes. It's one of those. Anyway, he was a writer from there. He came down. Globe and Mail. Globe and Mail. So we were all over it, weren't we? Uh, and I think he misidentified the okay. person in the picture, which caused some real frustration with the family because apparently the family was devout Catholic. Oh, yeah. And they really did not believe that under any circumstances would their husband slash father have oh. jumped because mm. that would be suicide. Yeah. And so there was a, uh, so there was an interviews with them, that story then. And then ultimately their opinion was vindicated because they were able to make a positive ID based on a number of other items. Okay. Um, and so it, it was just a really well-written story. So I, I just like to find people who can write these kinds of stories. Well, you're obviously you're one of them. No, and like these people. But, I mean, I, you know, there's certain subjects that you – I could see an article by Bob Smetana being an Esquire. Yes. If it's on a certain subject yeah, and if you learn subject. how to write paragraphs rather than sentences. I know how to write paragraphs. <laughs> yes. No, I can, I can write. I wrote a six so – I'll, I'll, let me plug and put a plug if you go to bobsmetana.com. It's bobsmetana.com. Bob Smetana, S-M-I-E-T-A-N-A.com. <laughs> you will find a 6,000-word story that my friend Craig Penley and I did. In, Is it new? It's – no, it's from 2000, okay. 18 years old, but it still holds up. We went to uh, upstate New York uh, to cover – it's basically a murder mystery. Um, the mother of a youth pastor had been killed. It wasn't in Cades Cove? No, it wasn't okay. in Cades Cove, but it was just outside Cabot of Syracuse. Cove, that's what I was just thinking Just outside about. of Syracuse, New York. Um, the a youth pastor uh, who lived in his uh, – probably 30, 40-something youth minister – uh, lived in this farmhouse, raised their kids. His parents had come to move with them. They had a bunch of kids. Um, they go out the door one morning, and his wife says, Now, Bruce, make sure you kiss your mom goodbye. Goes and kisses his mom goodbye. They get on a plane to Chicago to a meeting. By the time they land in Chicago, the police meet them. The mom has been murdered. Oh, wow. And they think someone in the family did it. Wow. So they're being questioned by police in the murder of their mom. Be- because they left town. Because they left right town, the time right? Time. And the dad wow. went to a Gideon's meeting right about the time that it happened. So they're like, ah. Wow. And really what happened is uh, someone else had come. And uh, it's a really – It was like a it, random, like a robbery type thing gone robbery. bad or something. Wow. And they ended up forgiving the guy who killed her mom. Mm. But it's a really so – it's probably the best thing I've written. Like friend Craig and I wrote it. But we didn't know what to – Boss gave us 6,000 words. Wow. We, we won a bunch of words for it. But it's really good. So it's called The Cost of Forgiveness, bobsmatan.com. It's really good. Cool. If Check you want to read out. one other thing, you should read Mrs. Kelly's Monster. Is that on your website? No, too? that is by oh. John Franklin, who won the, it won the first prize for Pulitzer, uh, first Pulitzer Prize for feature journalism. Okay. It is a great story still about a surgeon trying to remove a tumor from a, or a, yeah, uh, a tumor. It's kind of a tumor with. With um, kind of like octopus arms, wow! Like, in a woman's brain. Okay. And, uh, and what's the name of it? Mrs. Kelly's Monster. Okay. He won the Pulitzer <clears throat> Prize for journal for for feature journalism twice. Mrs. Wow. Kelly's Monster. The other one is Old Man Peters, which is another great story 
about basically a volunteer, um, a church volunteer. Mm-hmm. What's his name? For John J O N Franklin. John Franklin. Great, great, great thing. So what else we got? We're gonna talk about the cake. We got time to talk about the cake, or we are done. We're done. The cake is done, and we're done. Right, so, so we'll bring, we talk we'll bring about cake week. back next week. Let's yeah. talk because the people are gonna be talking about yeah. cake. Masterpiece cake baking case is what we want to talk about. It's complicated. So we'll talk about that next week, and maybe help sort through some of that. Yes, we will. And until next week, thanks for listening to The Fourth State. You can follow uh, us on Twitter. We don't tweet unless we have an episode, unfortunately. It's at T4E Podcast. Or you can follow me at Marty Duran or at Bob S-M-I-E-T-A-N-A. And remember, if you got a church or building in Australia and you want me to come down and preach revival, <laughs> sing you some songs, or run you a seminar on religion and journalism, I'm available. He's your man. Just Tweet at me. You, you at will not find a, you will will not come. find a total package that can come preach, lead worship, and talk about journalism outside Wait, of Bible. Because I can pre- I can figure out a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> that that meaning he knows how to download. I can no, I can write. Can I can write a, a sermon. sermon. <laughs> I've read the Bible. Right. I, I've listened to enough sermons. I can figure that out. Uh, well, that's probably true. Could you make me? No. Come. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to cut this thing off before it gets really crazy. Come on. <laughs>